0: Welcome, welcome back it has been quite a break for us lex say hello to the people
1: my people my people what it do uh my apologies
0: everyone um just an explanation for where the podcast has been um we did have one episode we were gonna skip and then i'm here to tell you guys covid is still out here in these streets and you got to be careful. Derail my whole damn month. All right. Luckily, I was not the one that had COVID, but COVID was in the house. And so I was not able to remove myself from, uh, you know, duties, baby duty, which me- meant that I couldn't get up on here and do a, a podcast. But everything is good now. Um, We did a couple of podcasts on the Patreon, but not too much. We got it in when we could. Uh, unfortunately but we are back it feels good to be back and you know what all things considered i don't think we miss much what do you think
1: you're not lying i mean it's been slow it's i think everyone's kind of waiting for the other people to announce their fights like top rank hasn't really dumped their clip pbc hasn't really dumped their clip We got a little like taste of the DAZN schedule, but it's not like we didn't get Canelo. We don't really have a Golden Boy schedule. Mm -hmm. Not that they'd have like a big schedule anyways, but everyone's kind of keeping it close to chest. So,
0: well, I would say that that's pretty true for the last, uh, you know, for 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 the time that we've been off. But this week and last week, there's been some activity. Uh, A couple of decent fights have been announced. But I I also think so. A couple of things. Um, The fights that have been announced. I think there's been some really good fights that have been announced, but not necessarily anything mind blowing. And I think that's the thing. I I actually I'm of two minds of this. But one one thing I have is that it can feel kind of slow because PBC, they're the ones who did this. They're 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 to be held responsible here. But the whole let's drop eight fights at a time. When you do one or two, like like eight eight fights at a time is a hell of a lot of uh is it serotonin or endorphins or something that gets released when you get that like ooh, I got eight eight cards announced with like half of them got the undercards and some of my favorite fighters are good, you know, or my like, you know, my little pet fighter fighters, my boys are on the undercards, you know, whether that be uh your Joey Spencers or something like that. You know, there's that. And then so when they hit you with just like one one card. It just doesn't get your blood flowing the same way. Now, on the other hand, that, you, that could be one mind that you could be in. But the other mind is that the big fights, apart from Plant Benavides, uh, we haven't really got the big fights. I mean, if you think about the list of all the rumored fights from Errol Spence to Tank to uh, Fury. We have not got the big names, and I think Anthony Joshua is probably the one big name in boxing that we do have a fight for him, but let's be real. He's not even going to fight on pay-per-view. He's fighting an opponent that is, you know, basically just a tune-up, so that's not going to quite quench our thirst for the, the announcements, but I don't know. Where do you fall on this?
1: Well, you know, what you just said made me realize something. And I think there's, like, a huge gap between, like...
0: That we're fiends?
1: No, no, no. I mean, we are fiends. But let's take a step back. There is a step uh, or a big gap between, like, the established fighters and the unestablished fighters. Like, heavyweight is a pretty established division, right? We got Fury Wilder. We know what happened with Joshua Usyk. So there's like one fight left, right? There's one fight left at welterweight that like people care about for real, for real. Um, there's not many fights at 54, even though like any Jamel fight is super exciting, right? Like this isn't to say I I don't like love Jamel. He's one of my favorites, but in terms of like the herd Jamel or J-Rock Jermel, like we don't have many of those to discuss. The gap is between like those guys and like the guys at 35 who are like they're far away from being in that, like, all right, like, are we gonna get it undisputed at one thirty five? Are we
0: What happened? Your mic just cut off. You got us on the edge of our seat.
1: Can you hear me? Yep. I didn't do press anything. I don't know. I didn't even move. I don't know what happened.
0: Zoom is out to get you. It
1: heard yeah, zoom- it heard you about to slander one thirty five and it was just No nah, I, I was saying positive things about one thirty five. I was just saying like like, that's a division where people are eager to see what's going to happen, but we're still... We're quite a ways away from, like, everyone. The guys who we want to see mix it up, mix it up. We're we're far away from that. Well, We've got it at welterweight. We got it at heavyweight. We got it at 54. It hasn't happened at 135. It hasn't happened at 140. It probably won't happen at 160. It probably won't happen <laughs> at 175. So, I mean... This this isn't a bad thing. It's just, uh, I think the fights we want to see, they're not quite there yet. That's all I'm saying.
0: I think, well, there's like a, you know, there's a hierarchy in boxing of like the, the division where the fights are most significant, are most like juicy, and it goes down, obviously. Now, I think there's a couple of exceptions. You know, you can break from your hierarchy or your position in the hierarchy, so like Tank versus Ryan, whenever they're going to announce that fight, because everyone except Oscar seems to know that this fight is happening, Uh, and those people who want to believe Oscar, in which case uh, you might need help more than he does, but everyone believes that this fight is happening, including the two fighters. That fight breaks beyond its division, And, and lightweight is up there, but I think that is a fight that, you know, everyone is going to be extremely
1: happy about. And, and everyone, real quick, before I go into my next point about Tank Ryan, please be gentle with me on that point. I freestyled that. I, it just kind of hit me as Angelo was talking. But No, nah, hey,
0: there ain't no gentle. There's no kid gloves here.
1: <laughs> Listen, to your point about Tank and Ryan, I was thinking about this the other day. A few people were talking about that fight. We've never had a super fight that was also like a social media super fight. Like wow, our super fights, an interesting take there. You no, know, think about it though. Like our super fights of like recent times, right? Would be like Fury Wilder, like two maybe. Canelo Triple G, like one or two, and then before that, you got to go back to Floyd and Canelo, or or, or just Floyd and Pacquiao. I'm sorry, any Floyd fight. This will be the first one where both guys have a huge following on social media, and in my opinion. Anything that has big traction on social media, like, gets really amplified when you, when you end up talking about the raw numbers of, like, of like uh, viewership or, jeez, uh, I'm trying to think of the term, like, just social media clicks. What's the damn term I'm thinking of? I'll come back to it. Whatever. Either way, wh- however big you think that fight is, I promise you it's going to be bigger. It's just the nature of social media these days. Anything that's popping on social media ends up bigger than what you think is going to be. Impressions. Sorry, that's what I meant to say.
0: Oh, because I was thinking, you know, what What I tell people. But anyway, um, a couple of things about that. One, just a tangent. Don't let me not come back to the social media point. You said something really interesting. And, and guys, I know that we're all over the place. This is kind of a get back podcast, Okay. If you really want us to talk about Ray Vargas versus Oshaki Foster, we'll do it in a bit. But that fight was not fun enough to warrant the A block. All right, Fury in Wilder 2, What I, I feel like, hopefully, history rec- uh, there's a recorrection or a correction for uh, as time goes on. That was a super fight for this era. It really, like, it really was. Like, if you think about all the numbers. Metrics-wise, that was a huge fight. And the only reason I believe why it's not really considered a massive success, and, and, you know, you could say that, while both Fury and Wilder are pretty divisive amongst the boxing fan bases, which is probably true, but I think letting that cloud your perspective here is just, like, really dumb. Um, because that is also part of the selling point of wh- or why the fight sold so well. But the numbers for that fight were really good across the board from uh, gate, pay-per-view buys. Um, the, but the thing is, Top Rank came out immediately and shit on the fight. And I think that probably has more to do with the fact that uh, maybe they promised Fury uh, a guaranteed number that really had them sweating out the pay-per-view buy rate. I mean, you got to think about it. Like you don't do over a million pay-per-view buys unless you are who Canelo probably at this point. And even now Canelo ain't doing that, that, you know, Canelo came after Wilder Fury too. That dude did not crack a mill and they did a great job with the promotion of that fight, but they didn't crack a mill. And so I, I just really hope that we can start to put in perspective that Wilder and Fury did they? I mean, they really did two anomalies. Actually, you could say three because the first fight was a success on pay-per-view when really there was nothing indicating that that was going to be a success pay-per-view wise. The, the, the rematch does literally like a million more buys than the first one did. And then the third fight still did really good numbers after a one-sided second. Like that to me is pretty crazy that people still tuned in for that third fight even when it seemed uh, inevitable what was going to happen but credits to both fan bases anyway back to the other point all right so the first social media fight
1: well real quick let me jump in i think the reason why it won't be remembered the way it should is because everything that came after it like completely shitted on the fight now obviously like i have my take on how the fight played out but i'm not going to go there but what i where i will go is so the fight happens you have like the cheat allegations. You have the Fury Joshua hype. You have the pandemic. You have top rank like slightly poo-poo in the fight. You have like the litigation. You have like I mean it was months before we got a like a fight. It was maybe a year until we knew whether or not the trilogy would happen. So it was just like any great any momentum of greatness that that fight generated was like immediately just like beheaded at the door.
0: I mean, yeah, I think all the messaging after Fury Wilder two on both sides, I think, um, but more so with Fury's side, uh, was just bad for for business for that fight and for for really, uh, yeah, for that third fight, it just nothing, it, nothing was good going to that third fight, and yet it still was successful.
1: The pandemic happened like two weeks later, didn't it, if I remember correctly? No, The
0: pa- no, uh, after the second one, yeah, the pandemic
1: happened. Yeah, the like, second one. That third fight
0: had everything possible working against it, and it still did well. So anyway, back to the original point. You So you said that... um
1: We have never had a super fight, a social media super fight. That was also a boxing super fight. We've never had it before.
0: I'm going to disagree with that. And with the caveat, Ooh. the caveat is that what social media is today is a completely different beast from where it was at any point in history. Oh, with of the course. Of the past couple but, of years. But I mean, but you're that's to- also
1: kind of my point is like, this is the first. This will be the first, even in, in any combat sports, MMA, bot, whatever. This will be the first social media super fight listeners. Think about it. Ryan is on Bleacher Report, and a lot of these are paid ads. It doesn't matter, though. He's on Bleacher Report, House of Highlights. He's doing punch bag thingy with Francis Ngannou and Mark Wahlberg, and he's on the Tyson podcast. He's, all, he's on the Gatorade commercial with Dame Lute. He's all over. They announced the fight. He's on first take like the next day, and the fight wasn't even really done yet. Okay? So there's Ryan. Tank, anytime he fights, it goes viral. LeBron tweeted about Tank's fight. I don't even think LeBron tweets about boxing ever. Uh, he, he well, he's, I do he's know out.
0: that. Every time he does, it's something like, "I told you guys, Errol would recover from that car accident and beat <laughs> Danny Garcia's ass."
1: <laughs>
0: exactly. I said it I'm, in 2015 when he fought at Coney Island. This man would walk away yeah, from a rollover car accident. Exactly.
1: <laughs> Listen. For those who don't get the joke, LeBron is, like, known to, like, say he said it, but, like, he ain't really say it. But anyway, Tank, he goes viral every fight. And Madonna's at his fight. There's rappers fighting boxers at his fight. Uh, His outfits go viral. His backflip in the ring goes viral. Tank is really the, the viral king in boxing. I know everyone credits Ryan for it, but Ryan's viral for shit outside the ring. Tank is viral for shit inside the ring. You put those two together, and man, I don't. I've long said this fight easily clears a million. And people are like, nah, no way. Streaming, but blah, blah. no, this fight easily does a million. Steven Espinosa on Twitter the other day said it definitely clears a million. I think it's more, it's, it'll probably clear like 1.2, maybe higher. The, the, the social media effect is going to be stupid. Please believe it.
0: So I think. Um... In the new era of what social media is, where seemingly everyone is on social media, um, this is going to be the first of its kind. Um, we've had some, I guess you can say some, some, I guess, rough drafts, you know? I think Mayweather, Logan Paul was kind of a rough draft for what this could be. and um, And that did very well, you know, relative to what, we all were expecting at least uh a boxing event, and so yeah i i mean that fight's huge and hopefully we can get it announced this week i mean maybe you want to turn your twitter notifications on um because i think we we are probably in the home stretch for when that fight could possibly be announced the fighters seem um like i mean they've all but admitted it i mean what's the point I guess if you want to buy tickets or something, but anyway, I, um, yeah, I think though that social media did exist. And like, there are fights that clearly were not just people who were like boxing fans who maybe talk boxing with their friends or at the barbershop or something Mayweather, like Floyd, uh, and Manny was a fight that dominated social media. And I feel like that's one of the very few fights that did, um, where, Everyone had an opinion on it. And I guess that that's kind of like what it boils down to when you're dealing with fights that break beyond and are going to do really well is like, does everyone have an opinion on this? I guess it's kind of like you think about the Super Bowl. I think everyone in America has a take on whether or not that penalty should have been called late in that game yesterday. And I feel like you ask people about Tank and Ryan. I mean, obviously not as big as the Super Bowl, but like most Casual, uh, boxing fans or boxing adjacent combat sports, adjacent fans have got opinions on tank Ryan. And then there's also the two fan bases that do not call themselves boxing fans, but they are fans of the individual fighters, which that group, I mean, you could probably say outside of Canelo, maybe outside of Joshua. Although I, I, somebody showed me data lately and Joshua's popularity is, uh, a shell of what it once was especially compared to Tyson Fury but um but outside of Canelo here in the US no one brings bigger individual fan bases than Tank and Ryan so um so yeah let's let's uh, quickly touch on the Ray Vargas versus Oshaki Foster and then we'll get back into all this uh you know conversation about fight announcements and things like that can, can you hear me
1: yeah oh i was just i Is wanted like, to say something real quick to your what? point about floyd and pacquiao for those who don't remember or maybe weren't as big boxing fans back then that fight was very viral but it was before twitter was uh social media was corporate like back then there was no real like house of highlights bleacher bleacher report espn instagram with like millions and millions and millions of followers like all those accounts existed but they weren't big like they are now And they weren't like, there weren't hubs back in the day for Instagram. And I I remember like when Floyd beat Pacquiao, like Justin Bieber was tweeting and stuff like that. And I thought that was huge, but like, he's tweeting memes, but the the conversations are just way different. It's Instagram is way more of a, like a water cooler now before it wasn't like that. Uh, yeah,
0: I was looking, I was actually looking at, um, social media stuff from like 2019 and it's like wildly different from today. And that's only a few years ago. But I was looking at things, um, I was looking back at the chat, looking at some of the logs. Even the way we talk back then was just completely different from now in terms of like how Twitter has rotted our brains, basically.
1: <laughs> uh,
0: anyway, Ray Vargas, Oshaki Foster. Um, I mean, what's there to say? Oshaki just ran all night long. <laughs> didn't want to stand and fight like a minute. Oh, wait. Sorry. I was reading Ray Vargas's press release that he uh, had uh, sent out after the fight. Nah. Oshaki Foster turned in a very good, very, um, put to like, I mean, really complete performance in, uh, beating Ray Vargas. Got the 12-round decision. The cards were pretty, I'd say, pretty. I actually liked the cards, um, because. The way for me, I watch fights is I stopped scoring fights and the reason why, uh, in in rare circumstances I do, but I stopped scoring fights because it just felt like, um, felt useless because what's more accurate is I look at the rounds and I'm just trying to gauge what's the range of what I could see here because not all rounds are clear to score. And there's possi like there are rounds that could go one way, rounds that could go another way, depending on what you're looking for. Now, I mean, real realistically in boxing, 80% of the time it's clear. But there's 20% of the time where rounds wind up being kind of iffy. And over the course of a fight, you wind up with the range of scores that it could be. And I feel like the scores on Saturday night, albeit I agreed with um, I think I agreed more with the really wide one. But I thought, okay, fine. That's actually a good range of what that fight was. You may not have liked what Oshaki was doing over the course of the fight, and therefore he probably didn't win it as wide. But I mean, if you were really looking for like clean, effective punching, um, Oshaki or Vargas won a little, a few more rounds than than uh, I I thought he did. But anyway, um. I think the big takeaway from that fight, though, is that I thought Ray Vargas had uh, turned a page and was no longer this like really one dimensional and boring fighter. And it turns out that he that's really actually who he is. Um, The fight was not fun to watch. And I, I we got to pencil this one in for worst corner work of the year where. It was clear Vargas' his one-two was not working. The the jab and the right hand, uh, Oshaki had like the perfect game plan for that, and it was clear in the first round. Okay, if you step in with a one-two, he's just gonna jump back. You won't land that punch. He won't be there. You know you don't got the length on this guy that you do against every other fighter who can't get out of the way of that punch. Didn't work in the first round, and for the next eleven rounds, Rave. Fa- Ray Vargas mainly tried to do that in order to win the fight. And it was really frustrating to watch. And it turned out to be, I th- I feel like, one of the least entertaining main event cards I've watched in a while. Or not cards, the main events fights that I've seen in a while. Um, What was your takeaway? Were you impressed with what you saw from Oshaki?
1: No, actually, like, I was disappointed because Oshaki is one of these guys who, like, have, like, a fan base, or or just like a, a cheer squad, like the Oshaki Foster like guys on Twitter, and so I was expecting him. I I thought it was a dumb matchup almost because I didn't think Ray Vargas had a good shot. I kind of wanted him to win because I would have liked to see Vargas versus Leo with Vargas coming off a win, but I I, I thought Oshaki had in the bag, but I expected him to be more aggressive. I didn't think he would fight such like a cautious, technical fight, I guess. And I, I mean, I didn't I wasn't shocked from from Vargas. It's his first time at 130, right? Yep. He was never like a big puncher to me. So he's moving up against a guy who's like established at 130. So I knew he'd have trouble. I, I imagined he would have trouble with the size and it kind of played out like that. Even though he's taller, he just wasn't as dense. And it showed. He didn't really like his offense looked kind of bad, to be honest. So I don't know. It wasn't an exciting matchup, but good for O'Shaki, I suppose. I mean, he's one of these guys who's like been on the low for a while, uh struggled to find like the right place his whole career, and now he's got a belt. So I mean, at least he's like a good story. And that's that's great. Hopefully, um his next fights are more exciting. I guess whoever he fights or whatever direction he goes.
0: I saw a tweet that was somebody questioning seeing Vargas at the at the weigh in. How does this guy? How did this guy ever make 122? And I feel like in a sense yeah, like he's a big guy. How did he make 122? But you actually watch him fight and it's like, "Oh, that's how he makes 122." The guy's got like zero density to him. There's nothing on his punches. And um, you know, that's that's how he wasn't making one twenty two is the guy just doesn't is not I don't know, he's just not filled out the way a guy who uh let's say who was it that I was watching lately that is just massive. God, I forgot who it was. Ah man, there was somebody uh, somebody recently. Um at one thirty? No, it wasn't at one thirty. Ah god, I don't remember. Somebody just recently fought and just you can just tell looking at his back like okay yeah that's why this dude is fighting at 154 whatever it was and he can't fight at what whatever division because he's just obviously a very
1: large individual but yeah um so yeah i i thought and, and real quick like like i don't dislike vargas but his style like it's not suited to move up really like you can't just like feather dust people moving up it's you're not going to win
0: well i mean maybe you can but you got to be really good and he's not that's the problem like <laughs> the style that he uses um i mean he's basically like a version of what miguel vasquez was in his prime now miguel vasquez has like 15 losses at this point and like you most likely remember him getting beat or stopped by one of your favorite fighters but Miguel Vasquez in his prime was my least favorite fighter to watch. But also, I was always really fascinated watching him because he was actually so good at what he did, which is to shithouse fights, make them completely boring, but be effective at... Like He was just annoying because he would land just enough, make sure very little action happened, Uh another guy like this was Carlos Molina at 154 uh before getting locked up for uh you know. And um but those guys were good at what they did and Miguel Vasquez in his prime. You know, I I am pretty sure by the way, Miguel Vasquez fought Canelo when they were both really, really young. I'm pretty and I think the first fight was a draw, maybe. I know he fought Bradley, Timothy Bradley, and he fought Canelo all both really young. I'm convinced that he probably won both of those or beat both of those guys, um but obviously, there's probably zero tape of those fights, and we'll never know, and no one will care. but like he's just the kind of guy that's like you didn't you couldn't beat him now, because he just was just going to do everything to not lose, but not necessarily outright beat you. Vargas is like a a version of that, but not as effective at like slowing down the fight. And so I I've never, like, really liked Vargas. And, you know, the Max Ayo fight was pretty good. So I thought I could turn around, come around on him. But it turns out, nah, get this dude off my TV. I don't want to see him no more. I guess maybe I'd be interested in a Leo Santa Cruz fight. But um, I don't think I'm interested in watching Ray Vargas anymore. Which sucks, because he also has a good story. Just like Oshaki.
1: Um, Ray so, Vargas could be dope, but he can't not at 130. Oh, he at 130 is quiet. He can't you, be at 130. At 126, maybe
0: you know, it was a red flag. What we should have known when this dude showed up with the tongue ring. <laughs>
1: That's like, hey, man, be.
0: boxing and everything
1: f- to you. And the tongue ring was definitely questionable <laughs> at
0: best. Gonna question your commitment here. Uh, so yeah. more
1: than your commitment. <laughs>
0: Hey man, I'm I'm not gonna get into that territory here, but I I just will say that in the year of 2023, I don't know too many people out here with the tongue ring,
1: Rocky the tongue ring. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, so yeah, um, Oshaki's, Oshaki's uh, tough. I, I'm obviously I think he's skilled, and there's like a an appreciation to watching him. I'm a little cautious. I'm gonna. Not go all in here. And the reason for that is because um, we've seen guys at 130 get one win and people start to get a little, you know, hyperbolic with the praise and it winds up that them dudes are just not quite that good. oshaki has got two losses. And I imagine that those two losses, um, I mean, those were two losses for a reason. And so he'll need to do more than beating Ray Vargas especially the Ray Vargas that showed up on Saturday to really get me to, like, start to open my eyes up about uh, Oshaki. But I am really happy he won. And I think Showtime did, re- like, a really good job making sure that everyone knew this guy's story and uh, why it was just a momentous thing for this dude to win. So, yeah. I don't know what what would be next for o- Oshaki. I, like, I I heard some stuff about unification. It's like, all right, chill, people, Okay. First of all, mob has got a fight coming up. Um, Hector Garcia, we're not sure if he uh, has regained vision in his eyes after Tank punched that dude in the head. We're still well, waiting. His memory for the, card. We, yeah, the memory card got wiped. We're waiting for the results from the autopsy. Not sure where we're at with Hector Garcia. <laughs> and then, uh, so yeah. I mean, realistically, he's just gonna fight a mandatory. That'll be fine. I, I honestly think the mandatory is the best route for Oshaki Foster, by the way. Um, because now as a champion, he's gonna have the opportunity to like actually establish himself as someone worth watching. And and by the way, like just you know, having the title is a great start, um, but the performance against Ray Vargas not necessarily lit up the the punch totals and stuff like that. So I think he's going to need uh, – he's going to need a couple beatdowns.
1: Well, why don't we do this real quick, right? Like, I think he's with PBC now. He's on the website, right? So, like, for what it's worth. hmm Who at PBC can he fight at 130?
0: That's a good question. Um, like, let's
1: just play that game, right? So there's Chris Colbert, who him – like, him and Chris Colbert had a little, like – Nah, Colbert's about to get put
0: in the dirt by um, – your
1: boy Ryo. I don't know what to make of Colbert versus Ryo. It's the weirdest fight. Like Colbert
0: just needs to way like, about I, making it's weight. It's only
1: weird for me because like Ryle's coming off a big knockout and Colbert's coming off a fight where he was like a massive favorite. So I like one of these guys is gonna lose and it's it's not gonna be the good for their path back. Both could have went like a softer touch. But anyway, let's just put Colbert in there just because they have like a history, right? Then you have uh Garcia, Hector Garcia. Mm-hmm. You know happening. who I wouldn't mind him against, actually, Oshaki. Hmm. What's the kid that um Pipple b- demolished? No, that 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 dude is not awake yet. Well, what's his name? I actually, he's usually in entertaining fights. Is it Eduardo Ramirez? I think. Yeah, I wouldn't mind him versus Oshaki. That would be all right in my opinion.
0: He can't spell his name yet, so that's not gonna happen.
1: <laughs> He's he's still eating soup. <laughs> he's on a he, out of a diet. straw. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um. So I think. Look, realistically, Eduardo Hernandez is going to be the the mandatory. That's who he's going to have to fight, and they can either make that fight or Eduardo Hernandez will be taking a. Uh, what do you call it? A little nice step aside, uh, a, a little step aside deal. If we're just restrained to PBC opponents, what's likely going to happen is he would fight Claudio Morero, who got a a really sick body shot knockout on the YouTube undercard on Saturday. So I'm not
1: mad at that. I, I Claudio Morero, he's got a couple of losses. He's been knocked out before, but he's a real good fighter. Uh, when I would say a couple, you mean
0: five. He has definitely been knocked out before. Um, Morero, he's a little up and down. Um, I would not be mad at it. He should have gotten a victory over Xavier Martinez. If you remember correctly, he uh, dropped him twice and then just could not finish him when Xavier Martinez was literally walking around like like uh, uh, Hector Mar- uh, Hector Garcia after Tank blinded him. So yeah, Romero's not bad. Um, if that's like your voluntary, I could I can. You know, you toss that on a, on an undercard. I can live with that, honestly. Like, if you really think about it, um, Eduardo Hernandez is really not much different than Claudio Morero at this point in terms of what it would accomplish for uh, O'Shaki's career. In fact, I think Morero is probably more popular, more
1: known. I mean, this is Oshaki Foster talking about. He doesn't need like an enormous fight. So, like, any of these fights we're discussing, I think, would be like suitable. But
0: also, Eduardo Hernandez was like slept in the first round by Roger Gutierrez. So, i to throw
1: that out there. Just saying.
0: Um, so, yeah. On the undercard, we had, um, I mean, let's first talk about um, Victor Faustin, Lenier uh, Perro what a fight great Uh, fight great fight i mean so victor faust is like basically after one round figures out Perro pretty well and he did faust is like the rare really big volume punching heavyweight and it looked like he was on his way to at a minimum winning a pretty wide decision over Perro. And then out of nowhere, Paro started to dig to the body, lands what appeared to be a rib-shattering shot to Victor Faust, right, you know, the right side of his rib cage And it was like an off switch. Faust basically stops, eyes wide. Paro jumps on him, but the referee stopped him because Victor Faust was just not responding. Paro is being moved very fast, I just want to say from his what was his fifth pro fight sixth pro fight against giovanni Bruzzone, a fight that he did not need to take against another undefeated uh fighter and now two fights later another undefeated fighter in victor faust this was I a the
1: faust decision or, or the decision to fight faust was horrible like it was a big jump like faust who did he fight before i have to check but like I, watched watch it. I don't remember the dude, but this the guy he fought before Faust was terrible, right, right, right. So to jump from a guy that's terrible to a guy that's like, like a a good quality amateur, a decent pro, and also Faust had a good fight against Kildaze, and so I'm thinking Faust was definitely gonna have it. But I think for Faust,
0: or at least for Perro, they look at Faust and it's like, okay, this two dude, this dude had two kind of like whatever fights in Germany since the Kaladze fight went to decision on both. They probably thought, okay, he's a big guy, doesn't have a lot of power. We can get to him at some point. And they wound up being right. I just don't think that they were, they thought that it would happen this way. Um, but yeah,
1: I, I mean. Yo, I mean, like, look, I'm about to send you who, who, who Perro fought previously. You guys see a picture of this dude. Oh my God. Come on, Google. There we go. Everyone, I want you to Google while I'm Googling, Joel Caudill. Angelo, you'll you be receiving a message right now. There you go.
0: <laughs> he's, uh, yeah, he's one of those dudes that does not show up to uh to go rounds. Just say like
1: that. I mean, Neil he definitely is, does the not have office. a beach body.
0: Holy crap. He had been out of the ring for six years before he fought Victor Faust you yeah. mean Perro? no no wait oh i'm looking at the wrong guy
1: yeah yeah yeah. yes okay anyway so yeah i had i had thoughts going in um Harold fought like he fought a wild fight because he's clearly very talented but like he didn't show very much dimension i suppose and he almost put himself in a position to lose he got i don't want to say he got lucky because like the shot was great but like Unless you're Deontay Wilder, you can't really rely on just one shot to win your. you fight a heavyweight. It's you're not going to get the desired outcome. Nine times out of ten, at least. Uh,
0: the one thing I'll say is I think they're moving peril. a like I, I think that they probably need to keep it at the Faust level, if not scale it back just a tad. Um, it seems like if you actually look at the rankings, he's going to wind up within two or three fights in like an eliminator. And I don't know if this dude will be ready for an eliminator within two or three fights. I mean, I could be wrong, but I I think that that's probably going to be a little fast for him. But I guess the flip side of that is that Perros already 30 years old. They don't really have time to to
1: take it slow with this dude. But but see, I don't agree with that. See, I, I, I think like that's, Probably what they think it what most think. But yo, heavyweight is like like to me, thirty at heavyweight is is like twenty like six or seven in most other divisions. Like you don't have to like throw your guy in there yet. Like how old is uh Joe Joyce? Joe Joyce is thirty eight, I think. That's what I'm saying. Like while Joyce is thirty eight. Wilder's like thirty seven, thirty six. No, no, he's probably thirty seven. Fury's, what, 34?
0: All right, but how many real paydays do you think Joe Joyce has got? One or two? I mean, what's a real payday? Like Like millions? Let's say over a mil. Uh, Let's say over over like,
1: yeah, over a mil. Yeah, probably like one or two.
0: He's been, yeah. you know, I think he's he's probably had one or two. But like, compare that to Luis Ortiz. You know? Ortiz been getting the bag for a while.
1: Ortiz has got at least the two other fights, the Andy Ruiz fight, the Charles Martin fight, at least four, at least. And he's, you know,
0: Ortiz, similar thing. He's got, he had a pretty late start to, to, to things. Also, maybe 57 years old, who knows?
1: Yeah, man, he, to your point, all those million dollar paydays happen like after thirty five, probably.
0: Yeah, so I, I mean,
1: I at least I, a hit I, box wreck age of thirty five.
0: Hmm. I I think that um, look, the other thing that I'll say, especially with heavyweight right now, is that if you are gonna take your time, it's not the worst idea right now. Like, Perro's not gonna get a shot at the at the title. You know, Fury and Usyk are gonna hold onto those titles as much as I mean. Some people might disagree with me, but I think those dudes are probably not going to get stripped until they fight each other. And, or if they do get stripped, they are going to give them a long leash with those titles before they actually enforce the mandatories and then strip these dudes if they need to. So, Peril's got time to wait. So, you might as well take a couple of fights to, like, you know, sharpen your skills before you get rushed into a fight. Um, just a little too soon.
1: Wait, so real quick, what did you think of Perro's skills? Do you, like, do you think, based on what you saw, it makes sense that they're kind of rushing him?
0: No, I don't think so. You're down on okay. the cards against Victor Faust. Uh, you're supposed to be the superior boxer, and it just seemed like Perro didn't know how to... Keep him at the end of his jab, didn't know how to effectively like get in there. It was just kind of a really like it was such a weird performance when you think about like how much he struggled as the smaller guy. it was actually interesting because a lot of the things that he should have been doing as a smaller guy with the better skills was what Oshaki Foster was doing. You know we saw a small guy not able to deal with the reach um in the pero and faust fight and then like it completely flipped where. Ray Vargas as the bigger guy could not figure out the distance against a smaller guy. So I don't know. I think Pero definitely has uh more seasoning that needs to be
1: done. I think he's always going to fight the way he fought though. I will say that. Like I was disappointed in the Showtime telecast as I am usually that they kept complaining that like, Oh, why is Lanier Perro fighting on the inside? It's like, yo, he's not an inside fighter. This guy wants to like be cute and, and clever. And land counter punches and it was very obvious he was trying to just like land a one-shot bomb on fouls it was not gonna happen um i mean i don't know he got this the stoppage so maybe it did happen technically but not how he was fighting i guess
0: uh it's funny when commentary teams like call heavyweight fights like they're not a heavyweight fight Heavyweight fighters don't go on the inside when they're smaller a lot, you know. Like inside fighting really is just not a big thing in heavyweight boxing, for pretty obvious reasons. So yeah, I I don't I don't know
1: about that call there. Bernstein wanted Peril to like turn into Mike Tyson like overnight, just start okay. like bobbing and weaving and like like come on man, stop it.
0: I mean, look. I can't even think of a fighter who like in the heavyweight division fights on the inside on a regular basis. Like it's kind of ridiculous.
1: Uh, Maybe Jared and,
0: Anderson? Maybe. It's it's even hard to say because like who's he fighting? He's not fighting anybody yet. Nobody. So, now, now granted, like uh, he's fighting the guys that I think are fine for him to fight. I'm not criticizing his matchmaking. It's just he's not fighting anybody who like I'm going to seriously think i have the best read of his style and uh I, I i don't even think he's what he's doing is inside fighting i think he's just swarming dudes and basically pushing the pace on them and seeing if they can keep up and you know i i definitely wouldn't say that it's inside fighting anyway let's talk about him versus
1: him versus faust would be cool not that it, like it'll happen but
0: jared anderson versus like,
1: faust in a world where there's not, like, these promotional boundaries, that would be a very good fight, in my opinion. Um, maybe. I'm not saying I think Jared Anderson would lose, or, like, maybe he he blows Faust out, but that's about the level of guy I'd like to see Jared Anderson with. Because, like, Faust is, like, he's, Faust is not coming to lose. He's coming to win. And he, he's got good size. I think he has decent power. I'd like to see him in with uh, or, or Jared Anderson fight a guy like him
0: see I disagree and I'll tell you why I don't care if Victor Faust is in competitive or is fighting like helping either helping guys like progress I don't care about that I want to see Victor Faust matched properly because he's an action fighter this like if he somehow finds a way to get to a title shot that would be really really cool but I don't care Give me Victor Faust versus Robert Hellenius. Give me Victor Faust versus Charles Martin. All right? I don't think the winner of either of those fights winds up, you know, deserving a title shot. I mean, maybe, but probably not. I just want to see entertaining fights. Because Victor Faust, to me, is like, he's too good to like, and I don't mean like skilled. I mean, he's too good. Like, this is a gift. We don't get a lot of guys like this at heavyweight. A big, huge dude with just enough power to put people to sleep, but not enough power that he can't land 200 times on you and you'd not go away. Put this dude in there with guys that are going to fight. This is how you make entertaining, like, openers. Just toss Victor Faust in there, grab somebody at heavyweight that probably cannot defend themselves for more than four rounds, and let's see what happens.
1: I'm down. I like Faust. I I, I want Faust to be kept around. To your point... You need guys like this, right? In every division, not just heavyweight, in every division, you want guys that are going to show up, compete. They could upset the apple cart, or they could just get smoked on any given night. You don't know what to expect. So keep goused around. Um, I don't know who the his, like the logical next opponent would be for him, but I would uh, like to see more. Imagine. I do know who I want to fight. Peril uh adam Konaki? no not adam Konaki. throw Perro in against the guy who beat adam Konaki. um ali demarizin i think um i mean it, it's tough right because it's like it stays on the sped up pace which i don't agree with but if they are going to speed him up I think that's a good matchup because Demarizian or whatever his name is, he could fight, but he's not a big puncher. My thing is that heavyweight, you want to put your guy in with guys who can fight, but you don't want to put him in with big punchers because one shot could change everything, as we almost saw the other night. I'm not mad so at I that think matchup. Good matchup, solid fight, I think.
0: I mean, damn, if, if Ajogba was still at PBZ, Faust and Ajogba will be like a, like, Super Bowl-level undercard fight. That'd be wild. Because they're just two big, stiff bastards. One guy does... Well, actually, both guys do not move their head. Ajakba, I don't think, can deal with activity. Faust can't deal... I don't think he can deal with one shot. I think if your guy's going to throw a combination, Faust is going to absorb that a lot better than just one-time shot. That to me, would be, like, the the most high stakes of undercard fights you can think of.
1: Uh, I got to say, man, Ajagba is one of, like, of all the guys who have, like, fallen off pretty hard, he's, like, top three biggest fall-offs in, like, modern time, my opinion. Um, like, he went from, like, the next Wilder, theoretically, to, like, all right, he's still decent, but, eh, to now he's just, like, not even in discussions.
0: I honestly, so the Ajagba Stephen Shaw fight is a card that, you know, we we hadn't done an episode on. <laughs> and I'm just going to say right now, I know I watched this fight. I don't remember a thing from it. Not a damn thing. I just looked at Boxerac and I was like, Jogba won? I don't even
1: remember. It was terrible. I thought, I thought, I thought he lost. And there are people saying that he should have lost. So, I mean, put,
0: Paro in there with Johnny Rice. That's that's all I'm what down need
1: if, to see. If Johnny, if Johnny Rice can, like, I, I mean, he might fight Jared Anderson next, who knows? But if he could come back to PVC, I'm down to see that. Or or Faust versus Johnny Rice. The only I don't thing think we is, should just condemn Faust because he lost, like, put him back in.
0: Johnny can't come in under 270. That's the only rule.
1: <laughs> John- that's crazy. Man.
0: Um. All right, Mario Barrios also um, returned. He had a, a nice little get back fight. It's he started really slow, I thought, and I was like, in the first in the first two rounds, I was like, "Damn, is Mario done?" But he turned it on really well, and I actually, I, I thought, I mean, I hate to say it, but Virgil Hunter probably wasn't the best matchup. Or Or pairing for Mario Barrios. He seemed
1: uh, What do you mean you hate to say? It? Like that uh, happens with a lot of Virgil Hunter guys. I mean, like who? Just being just being real. Like who?: What's my man that got knocked out at 175 for starters? The, <laughs> like he was like Swedish or something like that. Swedish? Yeah, he wasn't Swedish, but he's a white dude, a European guy. Uh, is Oh 175? my God! He's a far a while.
0: Oh, got out. you're it's talking like, about um, is it Suleiman Cisco?
1: No, 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 no. Hold on. I think Adonis Stevenson got him out of there, or no, Joe Smith Jr. got him out of there. Oh my God, I'm so bad at this. Are you? I'm sure sorry, everyone.
0: You're out here uh recreating. from
1: far, from far, from far, from far, All right, that does not count.
0: Funfara, that does not count. Why not? He, that doesn't count. First of all, that was
1: in 2015. I mean, I was just the first guy that came to my head. I was just saying.
0: Uh, let's let, let me let me help you out here. Um, I mean, basically, we could say everyone, not Andre Ward, but let's go down the uh, the list of guys who went to Virgil Hunter and uh, didn't turn out so well. Number one, Andre Berto. Number two. Abner Mares, although Abner did not lose a fight under Virgil, he just looked the worst he's ever looked like he, he he might, he looked better getting knocked out in the first round than he did with Virgil Hunter winning decisions. Um, I guess Barrios wasn't bad with Virgil Hunter. It's just like, he's much better unleashed the way he was on Saturday night. Um, was Tony Yoka still training with Virgil Hunter?
1: I, he, I won't remember that one. I, I don't remember.
0: Dude. I just uh have come across a YouTube video. And oh. the title of it is Virgil Hunter got Tony Yoka looking Andre Ward-esque. <laughs> I'm going to throw this out there, okay? There are a handful of fighters you do not compare anyone to. Floyd Mayweather? Andre Ward, Roy Jones, and Muhammad Ali. There might be a few more, but for the sake of this podcast, you do not make comparisons to any of those guys. All right? The exception is if you look like Muhammad Ali, then you can put Ali on your chunks. okay? But other than that, you do not compare anybody to those guys. That's just not fair. Uh... Yeah, Virgil, not good. We actually did... Was it um the last episode we did? Or maybe it was like two episodes ago on Patreon where we, where we talked about trainers? I think it was a couple episodes ago.
1: I think it was two
0: ago. All right. Well, if you're not on our Patreon, you definitely should get on there. You get more podcasts. Kind of more about random things. <laughs> we did a fairly long and comprehensive segment on trainers who uh, are not... Good, and if you are training with these guys, you should consider moving to somebody else. And we're just looking at it mainly from the perspective of the results you've delivered to fighters who've come to you. Um, or Lex just hates them for whatever reason, that's also there. Breadman, (laughs) Breadman, uh, got Anthony Durrell put in the dirt, so you know, you need to show some respect.
1: I had no horse in that fight. I like Darrell. I like Planet. It would. It was cool either way. So
0: let's go back to um, what we were talking about originally, which is that um, you know this whole slate of announcements. I think we've gotten uh, we've gotten a few announcements from Top Rank, and I, I think z- zero of them have made any dent in terms of like the boxing zeitgeist. I think. No one's really excited about any of the fights that they've announced. And granted, Jose Ramirez has done as good a job as you could possibly do to just sabotage anybody who's trying to improve your career by um, all the things that he's done and said about fighting for the WBC 140-pound title. Um, But I think the Shakur fight is interesting because it's Shakur. But other than that, I mean, they haven't really announced anything major. Um. And also, even if they had announced some pretty solid fights, I think a big issue is that you have a big fight in Haney Lomachenko that is just casting a shadow over all of that. And everything is going to be compared against that. And if you don't deliver that, um, or the longer you draw that out, I think the less people are going to be invested in these other fights. Um, It's kind of my read on it. And I think for PBC, because you need that anchor, I think, you know, and PBC's kind of, kind of has it with plant Benavides. but I mean, actually that would probably be the anchor if not for the fact that we know that there are bigger fights on the horizon. And so I expect them to announce their big fights this week. Um, Matchum's schedule wasn't fantastic. I think if you're a hardcore fan, there's obviously things there for you to like. But really nothing capturing the casual eye unless, you know, maybe Anthony Joshua's fight coming back. Um, And I I think obviously the big fight for them would be announcing what Canelo is going to do next. But uh, do you want to update us all on what you know about what's next for Canelo?
1: I mean, it seems like we're going to get John Ryder in Mexico. (laughs) That's what's being reported. I don't know how official that is, but um, that is the word on the streets. Um, It seems pretty on brand for the way Canelo has been moving recently. So, I mean, it wouldn't shock me if things go that way. As a boxing fan, I don't want it to go that way. But as a realist, I expect it to go that way.
0: I mean, even if you take the realism out of it. this Why? But wait, why? Like, why? Canelo's, like. Because sometimes we're just smart people.
1: wait, wait, wait. No, I'm just saying six of Canelo's last seven fights have been pretty disappointing. And this would just stay on brand for disappointing.
0: I think the reason why I say, like, take the, you know, you're just being real about this stuff. You just look at this logically. There, a lot of things in boxing are really telegraphed. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. But the whole John Ryder fight has been very, like, just obviously telegraphed. And I think, you know, these types of fights, let's call it what it is, it's a tune up. These types of fights are best suited to be thrust on you out of nowhere because you get, you go, then you go through the stages of it. And the last stage of being, thrown a fight that you don't really care about is complete apathy towards it. And I think at this point for Canelo, there's apathy towards this fight. Like no one's going to be really excited about him fighting John Ryder in the UK, especially if like you actually watch the fights. This is the thing that, I, I don't know, maybe they're just like trolls on the internet, but like I see people, some people defending this fight and it's like, are you have you watched John Ryder's last two fights? The fights that he's won that have, quote-unquote, earn him this fight, he, argued he should have lost to Danny Jacobs. Although, Jacobs, as a former world-class fighter, that was really shameful on your behalf to have even let it be that close. But you should have lost to Danny Jacobs. The Zack Parker fight, he was losing that fight. Parker gets injured and, and Ryder's awarded the victory. But he didn't earn that. And so, I don't really understand. Like, there's nothing... There's nothing remotely interesting and it's basically the Yildirim fight all over again where Yildirim was like, what the hell did he do before that fight? I mean, he never should have got that fight in the first place if not for, I guess, the WBC being scared of a lawsuit or something. I don't know why they had promised him that title shot given he had had a title shot and lost it already. But, I mean, sanctioning bodies do what they're going to do. Um. But yeah, I mean, look, it's Canelo. He has the choice to do whatever he wants. The sanctioning bodies will bend to Canelo. They always have. The one exception was the WBC, uh, you know, having that whole thing with Golovkin. And they, if you notice, they created the franchise title to make sure that they never had to go against Canelo again. Sanctioning bodies will do whatever Canelo asked them to do. And for whatever reason... Canelo's not uh because supposedly this is going to be a WBO mandatory, which I don't really understand how that is the case when the Caleb the Caleb Plant fight qualified as the WBO mandatory, but whatever. Um they will ask him how high if he tells him to jump, is my point. And he's not telling them to jump. So I, I don't really understand what's going on here. But uh whatever. The 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 dream scenario is Canelo. Fights writer. You can fight him wherever. I don't think people are going to be terribly excited about that. But maybe Tank and Ryan say, why don't we fight on a single mile weekend? Uh, if there's a, ever a fight to bully somebody off of that date, that is the one. Because if you, you s- stack them up side by side, I definitely think that Tank Ryan will do a bigger number than Canelo's fight.
1: I think that's the big danger, right, with taking Canelo outside of the country is there's a lot of fights that are potentially on the horizon that could really compete for that date. And if you just, like, forfeit the date, like, like why wouldn't someone just grab it from you? Like, whether it be Wilder Usyk or Wilder Ruiz or Tank Ryan or even Errol Thurman, any of those fights could fit on a big date like Cinco de Mayo. And If Canelo's in the UK or Mexico, I think anyone that's involved with those fights that I just mentioned would pounce on the date. I think they'd be dumb not to.
0: Well, I don't think it'll be um, Spence Thurman. I'm, I'm. I can. Yeah, I don't that think that so either. I'm, I'm be I that was fight, just kind of
1: like throwing that out there, hypothetically. I think
0: that the reason why you wouldn't. You know, even though I think it's a good idea. The reason why you wouldn't, though, if you're PBC, is like you still have the winner of Plant and Benavidez. You still have Jamal. You still have David Morell. You still want to do business with Canelo at some point in the future. Assuming he's going to stay at 168, you would be a fool to not want to do business with this guy. He can go fight in Mexico if he wants, but at some point, you'd like to not do anything personal, like taking his fight date. Um, even if, you know, you think you've got the bigger fight, you don't want to do that. Is You know, you want to make sure that you still have a business relationship with this guy. So I think, I feel like, um, and I guess if you're anyone else, you would feel the same way. Like, you know, someday we could have the potential to, you know, partner up with Canelo for a fight. So therefore let's not, you know, piss this dude off permanently. Should that be the mindset? Probably not. You know, I I, would, I probably would just say fuck it, let's do the fight. Um, and if we gotta make this better at some point in the future, who cares? But um, I feel like if there's ever a reason why you wouldn't, that's probably why.
1: I mean, that makes sense. But it's like this dude's gonna be out of the country. Like, yeah,
0: but it's not out like, of the country. Like he can't do a pay per view in the prime in prime time. You know, if he went overseas, that would be different, but he's still basically in our time zone.
1: On the zone, I mean, it's like, I guess you don't want to offend Canelo, but what a waste, man. Like, I get Canelo, I get I get you like Canelo, Canelo fans, but at some point, is this how you want your guy to carry out his career? Just fighting on the zone against, like, the most mediocre competition possible? I mean, I'm pretty sure if, if Canelo went to PBC and said, I want Charlo coming off of his, his layoff. I think Charlo's taking that fight. Whatever condition he's in, whatever's going on, you'd rather see John Ryder versus Canelo over uh, Canelo versus uh, Charlo. All right.
0: Well, I mean, I do think that there are people out there that have convinced themselves that that is the fight they'd rather see, but obviously they ain't watching John Ryder's previous fights or they didn't watch the fight where John Ryder lost to, rocky
1: fielding yeah and and i'm the bad guy for boxing okay uh
0: yeah so um man there's just so much to uh to get to but we're not gonna get to all of it so we're gonna wrap it up right here we will be back on our patreon feed this week i have a good feeling that we'll be breaking down a full schedule this week that uh we are gonna get not just a hit we are gonna get the big hit this week that's i feel that in my heart i don't know i could be wrong i've definitely been wrong before i think i've predicted uh when the schedule is going to drop multiple times before and it just hasn't so but i feel good this time so yeah we're gonna wrap it up right here head over to our patreon at patreon.com slash sunday puncher if you don't i mean that would be very sad and uh you know we'll have to find some other way to guilt you into signing up but really You get in for $1, you get access to the chat, you get the podcast, all that stuff. Um, If you can support, do that. If you can't, that's all good. You made it to the end of the episode. Salute yourself. Uh, We will be back next week. And um, everyone, this is another warning.
1: COVID is still out here. Just be careful. All right. Be safe.